You are listening to the No Gimmicks Just Sweat podcast with your host, Eric Logan. No Gimmicks Just Sweat is dedicated to hearing the journeys and unique stories behind an athlete's training and what drives them. Get inspired to own your life and make the impossible possible. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe so that you never miss an episode. Also, please take a few seconds to rate the show and drop me a review. Now, let's get started with the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of the No Gimmicks Just Sweat podcast. And today we have the awesome Jess Weatherby as our guest. Jess, how are you doing today? I am doing well, Eric. Thank you so much. I am humbled and um, flattered to be on your podcast and grateful for the opportunity. Thank you. Oh, well, thank you for being on the show. I appreciate having you here. All right, so... As we start with all shows, we're going to start with a little icebreaker, just some rapid fire questions so that the listeners get to know you uh, better, as well as myself, even though I do follow you online, but just to kind of find out like, oh, I didn't realize that. Those types of things. Okay. All right. First one, uh, morning training or evening training? Evening. All right. Now, this one might be kind of obvious, but you may surprise me because other people surprise me with the questions as well. Um, cardio training or strength training? Uh, <laughs> can I say both? Uh, strength training is my first love, but I do a lot of cardio too. So, okay. All right. Dumbbells or kettlebells? Oh, um, gosh, these are <laughs> these <laughs> hard. Rather. Good grief. Um, dumbbells. Dumbbells. Okay. Uh, favorite form of cross training? Um, CrossFit. All right. Uh, least favorite exercise? <laughs> Don't get mad at me. Running. Running. <laughs> mm. <laughs> All right. The first thing you do after a workout? Um, protein. Absolutely. All right. Favorite. Well, not favorite, but um, dream race or event you want to participate in? Oh, um I, I've had a try, um, um, eyeballing, uh, a few years now and I'd love to get it done. Okay. What was that again? Cause you kind of broke up a little bit. I'm sorry. Um, half Ironman. Oh, half Ironman. Oh, okay. Cool. She's mo- moving into the world of multi-sport. Yeah. All right. All right. Last one. If you can train with any celebrity or athlete dead or alive, who would it be? Oh, goodness. Um, there's a few of my girls um, from Titan Games that are just absolutely off the charts athletes. I would love to train with um, probably Margot Alvarez. Um, girls, any, any of those CrossFit girls are uh, amazing. Okay. All right. So um, their episode, we kind of go into um, the guests, their individual story. And the story is, I always kind of break it down to think of yourself as a superhero. This is your origin story. How did you gain your superpowers? Your superpowers are who you are as an athlete. Um, Just, you know, share what you want to share on that to kind of motivate and inspire our listeners. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm, I'm kind of a fitness newbie, which surprises a lot of people. So I'm 43 and, um, a little bit after I turned 39, 
I kind of hit a breaking point in my life. I woke up one morning and I physically was unable to get out of bed. Um, I had had, I'd always been pretty normal weight. Um, I've got four kids and had somewhat, you know, maintained my, my health up point, but I wasn't, um, I had no background in anything athletic at all. I didn't play sports as a kid. I didn't play sports in high school. Um, absolutely never had been in a weight room in my life. I think I had at a YMCA once on an elliptical and that was the extent of athleticism. Um, so that being said, I, I'd always had kind of some um, lower back and hip problems my whole life. And of course, I had really big babies. And so um, that was kind of exacerbated um, through pregnancies and um, carrying heavy babies and such. And, um, you know, so I came to that point where, yeah, I wake up one morning and I can't get out of bed and I've got four kids to take care of. I'm a homeschool parent as well. Um, and so it was, you know, it was kind of terrifying um, to be. I think reasonably young and experienced that. And I ended up to make a long story short, I ended up going uh, to three different sports medicine doctors, orthopedic surgeons. And I found that I had a lot of problems. Uh, basically without heads on my femurs. So I didn't have the top of my thigh bone, the little knot that fits in your hip socket just wasn't there. Um, my hip socket, were shallow and they were deformed. Um, my pelvis was completely misaligned. Um, I had cam and pincher and bone spurs that had actually grown um, out of my hip sockets to wrap around my femurs since I didn't have beds to keep them in there. And on top of that, I had labral tears um, on both sides. They're bilateral. And the worst was on my left. So um, I was really messed up. And I was told at first that I needed to have immediate labral tear surgery, um, which was going to be, yeah, yeah. Uh, the recovery on that, about 12, uh, about eight weeks in bed, 12 weeks on, on crutches, and a year more of, I'm sorry. Yeah, I lost you for a moment. Oh, sorry. I'm sorry. Okay. Where do we need to pick? Yeah, it's like you're cutting in and out for a moment. Okay, let me hold the phone a little bit closer. Where did okay. where did we you lose me at? Um, I think it was the when you were in bed. You were bedridden. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um. Yeah. So I um I couldn't get out of bed, and. Okay. Uh, did you get the part about the kids and the kind of the backstory? Yes. Yes. So I couldn't get out of bed. Obviously, um, at my age, that was pretty terrifying. I had no idea what was going on. And uh, I ended up going to three different orthopedic surgeons and found out that I had a whole host of problems. Um, so my femurs were deformed from birth. I basically had no female head, which is kind of the knot at the top of your femur, the, the big part of the bone that, that hooks into your hip. I didn't have one. Um, wow. Yeah. Uh, I had shallow sockets, uh, which meant that not only did I not have the part of the femur to hook in there, but my hips really would not even accommodate 
had. Um, so to compensate, my body grew bone spurs to, to try to hold everything together, which severely limited my range of motion as far as anything regarding your hips, a hip hinge, um, just squatting down was something that I couldn't even do. Um, I had cam pincher impingement as well, which kept my hips locked up. I had labral tears, um, bilateral labral tears. So they were on both sides, um, a pretty severe one on the left side. Um, and I had um, bad piriformis syndrome, which is when your piriformis muscle is so inflamed that it kind of grabs onto your sciatic nerve and doesn't let go, which was the reason why um, my lower body literally locked up and I, I lost the ability you know, like I said, to, to walk, to get out of bed, to do anything, to care for my kids. Right. Wow. So did you, you know, were there any signs before, you know, you just couldn't get up that morning? You know, had you had any signs like, you know, just, you know, like maybe days before, months before, years before? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was a lifelong problem. My whole, and I just didn't know about it. Um, you know, my whole life I had dealt with just pretty nonstop excruciating back pain and hip pain. Um, didn't know the cause. I just assumed it was from everyday wear and tear. Um, you know, even as a young person, I had it, but obviously carrying kids around and pulling little red wagons and things like that. I just, I just thought it was one of the, it was just wear and tear from being a mom. So um it was something that when you are a parent, obviously you're doing, you know, I had four little ones and um, they always came first, you know, mm -hmm. they were always prioritized. And so as moms, we usually um, set ourselves on the back burner, which is exactly what I did. Wow. wow. So once you were diagnosed and kind of found out everything that was going on, what happened next? The, the surgeons, the orthos that I've visited said um, that I needed an immediate labral repair surgery, um, had an arthrogram confirmed all that good stuff, um, said that I needed surgery for the labral repair. And that was um, an extremely extensive surgery. So I would be in bed and have tubes coming in and out of my body for um, six to eight weeks on crutches and or bed bound for a minimum of 12 weeks. And then I was staring down years of physical therapy. And on top of that, that was going just to be a temporary solution for the, the pain, the muscle lockdown that I was in. And I would have to have a hip around age 40, which that's not something anybody wants to hear at my age. I mean, you hear the horror stories of hip replacement and you think, you know, I'm, I'm, not even quite 40 years old. And, you know, uh, obviously it was scary. I went home and had to process all of it. Um, you know, for me, the scariest thing or the worst aspect of that was I am a homeschool mom. I, I am a, a mother. I am a wife. Um, we have, we have some livestock and things to take care of and being bedridden for a day is not an option. Being bedridden for, you know, three or four months and possibly, years and years of therapy was not something that, you know, I didn't have time for that in my life. That was absolutely not an option. And so once, 
once I kind of worked through the fear and everything, I sat down and I thought, okay, you know, I'm, I'm reading all of this and it's, it sounds scary, but you know, maybe there's other options before surgery um, or besides surgery. So I, um, something people don't know about me is, is I'm, I'm pretty strong, but my brain power is a little bit stronger than my body. Um, and science has always been my wheelhouse. And so I just, I researched the surgeries. I researched the um, recidivism rates, which are the rates at which they fail and have to be redone. Um, the long-term quality of life was the most important to me. Is the, were these surgeries something that were even gonna help me? And what I discovered is that the quality of life for those that end up having these surgery, um, generally speaking, in, in upwards of 90 to 95%, after you know a year or two of therapy, there is no improvement in the quality of life, and so it made no sense to me to um, you know go through with a surgery that really offered no benefits and that stole me away from my family uh, for such a long period of time. And the other scary things that the doctors told me is, um, like I mentioned, I didn't I didn't work out. Prior to this, I was not involved in fitness in any way, no sports, no athletics, nothing. But, you know, I've got kids and all three surgeons said, you know, basically, you have no options physically going forward. You know, they said no running, no lifting, no high intensity training, um, no cycling, absolutely nothing. And, you know, again, as a mom trying to keep up with my kids, that also was not an option. So I kind of did my own thing. Wow. Well, the only thing I had heard from you was basically what was, you know, mentioned on the Titan games was about the hip and to hear all this now, you know, and, you know, and looking back, I go like, Whoa, you know, if, if there was ever a person to have an S on their chest, it's you right now. <laughs> No, not at all. <laughs> no, no, but, it's an M for mom. That would be what's on my chest. That was well, definitely my motivation. Well, and that's what I was going to say is that, you know, you, 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 you know, you, you've shown that you're a great example that, hey, you know, a mother who I want to be there for my kids, you know, so I'm going to do what I need to do to, to make sure I am there for my kids. Yes, sir. That was oh. absolutely. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, that was absolutely dead. That you hit the nail on the head. Um, that was entirely my motivation. You know, it had nothing to do with aesthetics or my appearance. Uh, I mean, everybody likes to drop, you know, a few pounds and and look a little better. But, you know, it was all about functionality and, like you said, being able to be there not just for my kids but my grandkids. And mm -hmm. what that wasn't an option. So how did you get started? Was there anyone that kind of inspired you or helped you to kind of get started um, improving your health and improving, you know, strengthening your body? Um, no, I really um, just did a lot of homework on my own. Um, I, I read a lot of research papers, um, a lot of studies. I got on a lot of blogs and read experiences that people had had with, with all these surgeries. Um, and what I ended up doing is 
I decided to rehab myself as if I had had these surgeries. And so I kind of wrote up my own little protocol and I started out with just body weight exercises, mm-hmm. just things that would um, in, strengthen my posterior chain. Um, I was getting no activation. I discovered I had extremely strong but shortened hip flexors, um, which were causing a lot of my low back pain. And I was getting no activation with my glutes and my hamstrings because of the way my body had kind of learned to respond and move with all of the skeletal issues that I had. And so I just started very small with body weight stuff, um, slowly learned how to activate my posterior chain. Um, after that, I kind of started working with those loop bands or the the booty bands that some people call them. Mm-hmm. Um and then eventually lightweight dumbbells and then lightweight dumbbells with some plyometrics. And, you know, nine months later, I'm, I'm in a squat rack and I was doing things that I was told I would never do with surgery. And I did them without surgery. That, that is amazing. And, and it kind of shows that, you know, even though we may hear that, yeah, you can't do this or you shouldn't do this. If you do your own research and you try, you know, you may be able to get to a point of that. It absolutely does. You know, I, I'm not trying to give anybody medical advice, but I'm a firm believer that you will always know your own body and your own limits better than anybody else. And, you know, you can't, blame the medical field. It it is a one size fits all, unfortunately, in a lot of cases, you know, you go to a doctor for help and, and they have a protocol that they follow. Unfortunately, that's not always the right move for everybody. It's not always the best move. And I think sometimes we, we kind of look for the, the easy button. And sadly, the easy button for a lot of people is just okay, let's go have the surgery. Okay. Let's pop the pill, whatever it is. Um, because you know, on the other end, it, it takes, it, it took time and effort to research and, and trial and error, um, to figure out things that worked for me and things that didn't, um, you know, you're a cyclist, I'm a cyclist and, and I've done a lot of long cycles. And a funny thing is that, um, one of the, the ranges of motion that they encourage um, hip replacement or hip repair people to do first is cycling. And I can tell you that that was actually the last thing that I added in. It was something that didn't work for me right away. Um, So, you know, there is trial and error, but when you set your mind to it, the human body is more than capable. There are, you know, all kinds of broken things within my body, obviously Um, things that I was born with. But when you give the human body the tools that it need needs through, you know, being educated, um, through exercise, through nutrition, it, it is more than capable of compensating for any number of issues that you may have. And I think that's something that as humans, we always need to remember, you know, we are definitely um, stronger in the places that we're broken. Absolutely. Yes, I could not have said that better myself. Um, So you never have had anybody coach you or you're pretty much self-coaching everything. 
I'm self-coached. Um, <clears throat> another injury story. I, after I rehabbed myself, my kids were in a little athletic program here in Waco and, um, you know, they kind of had a camp and strength claim, uh, strength training class. And, um, once I felt confident in what I had done at home, I thought it would be fun to jump in. And actually within, <laughs> I think I was immediately the strongest woman, um, in, in that entire gym and the strength training classes, um, my, my squats, my deadlifts, all that stuff. And I was very successful, uh, in the boot classes as well. You know, I was really, I think I was very motivated to succeed at something that I was told that I couldn't didn't do. So, um, I was very focused and determined, but shortly after that, um, I, I did something silly, you know, we'll talk about OCR later, but I was honed <laughs> my OCR scale, skills and I ran, um, there's a nine foot dock and it had a, mm -hmm. a railing on top of it. And I ran and I jumped up and was going to swing over it. Like I was, uh, you know, climbing the nine foot wall at a Spartan race. And I, I jumped up on it and the railing actually broke. Oh, wow. <laughs> I don't know what that says about me and my weight, but you know, it broke and I came down and my, my left knee snapped. And, um, Ooh. so I tore, I had a full ACL rupture, um, tore my MCL, tore my LCL and also, um, had a meniscus tear all on my left knee. And, um, you know, it's funny after I had been through everything with my hip, of course, when, when you hear all that kind of stuff, again, the prognosis was surgery, um, ACLs do not grow back. So, you know, there's surgery, um, typically if you want to have an ACL after you rupture it, the others will repair, but for most people, they repair much weaker. Um, so it was a pretty depressing moment, but I went home and I thought, you know, I've overcome so much with the hip. I'm not going to quit now. And, uh, kind of did my own thing again, did a lot of homework. Uh, I was deadlifting within a week and, um, you know, as for the gym, they didn't want me back because I was a liability, which I understand. So I actually left the gym and that's when I started, um, doing everything on my own at home. We weren't coached there. It wasn't a personal training. It was just exercises on the board and this is what you do. But um, that was actually probably the best thing that happened. If you can believe that a complete triple tear of your knee is a good thing. Um, training at home was absolutely the best thing that happened to me. So on, on an injured knee, on a knee with, um, a triple tear and, an, and a meniscus tear, I ended up hitting a PR, a deadlift PR within two weeks. I was running within four weeks. I ran an eight mile OCR obstacle course race eight weeks after that, those tears and 12 weeks later, I ran a half marathon Spartan beast and completed it pretty successfully. So again, no surgery. It was just an issue of mind over matter for me and educating myself on how do I give my body the best opportunity to heal itself. And it seemed to work out for me. Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm sitting here rubbing my knee now, but that whole story made my knee kind of like, Ooh, wait a minute. <laughs> 
So as soon as you said it, you know, it just like my knee kind of woke up and said, wait, what happened? Uh oh. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I do um, can relate to you about, you know, that, you know, surgery is not necessarily the answer all the time. Um, back when I first started my fitness journey, and I think it was like 2014, you know, I'd been doing it for a couple of months. And it's just say it was a mistake in the gym. I heard a pop on my shoulder oh. and, and I ignored it. And I'm like, oh, I did it. I just popped. And later that day, my arm just completely died. Oh. I was at work and all of a sudden my arm just went and just not numb or just not like, you know, hurt. It just died. You know, it felt like it just died. Like it wasn't there anymore. Um, and I pretty much it screwed up my rotator cuff. Mm. And, you know, the option where he's like, you can let it heal naturally, but you got to have issues probably later on, or we can do surgery. And I was like, yeah, you're not going to do surgery. And I just let it heal naturally. And, you know, within, I think, like three weeks, I was running a race. You know, pretty much, you know, he looked at me like I was crazy, but he's like, as long as you're not you know, flailing your arms around like you're crazy. He said, you should be fine. So I can kind of relate to, you know, even like you were saying a little bit earlier that the immediate fix is, okay, have surgery or pop that pill and you're, you know, you're good to go. Yeah, you certainly can. And there's nothing easy about, um, man, rotator cuff stuff. That's yeah. a difficult journey for you. I, I can still feel it sometimes, so I have to be careful going overhead with any type of heavy, heavy weights. But, you know, but as far as just general, you know, motions and stuff, just general stuff, it feels fine. He said the worst thing is, he said probably when you get older, you know, you may feel some discomfort in it. But he said, other than that, he said everything actually healed up perfectly. That's awesome. That's amazing. But isn't that how always any, I mean, we all have, you know, we all have to be mindful of our, our bodies and they all, that's one interesting thing. It, it strikes me in fitness that, you know, you're, you have a social media platform. I guess I have a little one. Um, and what I notice on a lot on social media is, you know, there's like this push for everybody to um, follow certain form and <laughs> a certain style or whatever. And, you know, it's interesting. I'm a believer in good form. Um, I think you can hurt yourself on any exercising, including like, you know, for me, I can twist funny pulling laundry out of the washing machine, but, you know, everybody, you know, our, our kinetic chains are all a little bit different. And, um, you know, I really, I really get uh, frustrated when I see different people giving, form critiques to different people online because you really just don't know right. how someone else's body moves and what someone else's body has been through. And there may be a reason for different movement patterns. Um, good grief. The different are different heights, the different lengths of our levers, um, form, you know, past soft tissue injuries, like you're describing all of those things really play into it. And so you have to take, I think online, um, and even in person, uh, I'll tell you that fitness professionals in, in person um, are, are equally as bad about giving you 
on a, a generic um, best practice. And if they don't know your history and they don't know what you're working with, uh, they're just not qualified, I don't think, to give advice in that way. So that that's just my little cautionary tale to some of your listeners. You know, be be mindful what you you get online. It might not it might not be best for you at all. Yeah. Again, don't even get me started with that. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, yeah. I'm not even gonna get started on that. Because <laughs> I, I I have stories and stuff I've seen. Yeah. Yeah. There, there are things I just that I've seen that just made me just cringe. I'm like, Ooh, yeah, that's not good. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about training for you. What does a week of training look like for you? And how do you balance that in being a homeschooling mom? Well, you know, I, I do want to encourage um, parents out there. So as I mentioned before, I when my kids were younger and little, um, I didn't work out. And I don't think there's anything wrong with parents carving out that time to work out. I can tell you that for me, I mean, God just God's timing was perfect in all of this stuff. Um, even though I started later and I didn't get under a barbell until age 40, um, it was obviously something that I ended up being pretty good at. And, um, you know, I now I find time. My kids are a little bit older. I do homeschool for them. Um, you know, they're involved in sports. They have extracurricular activities. So balancing it is a challenge. But, um, you know, before I get into that, just as a preface, just as an encouragement to other parents out there, um, if you have that 30 minutes a day or that hour a day to, um, you know, devote to yourself to give, you know, to, to, you know, to train and to work out. I think that's fantastic. But if you don't, you know, don't be discouraged where you have to skip days. Don't be discouraged if you have to skip months or years and just know that it is absolutely never too late as someone who started at age 40. And, um, you know, I, I, I don't say this to brag, but my numbers as far as my lifts and my training go are, are all in an elite category. If I chose to compete at, at powerlifting or, um, you know, even my numbers on, on rowers and ski ergs are pretty, um, pre pretty high ranking. And so don't be discouraged and think that, you know, life is over at age 40 and that you're ever too old to accomplish anything. Um, but my training, I, every day is different. So I work it in essentially when I can, I prefer to train in the afternoon. Um, that normally works out with our schedule. I have to train early afternoons during football season because we're, you know, gone from about four to, you know, seven thirty at night, typically. Um, Sometimes I have to get up at the crack of dawn, dawn to get it done. Sometimes I am in the middle of the day at lunchtime getting it done. And there are absolutely times where I walk out of my gym at 10 o'clock at night and I get it done. So uh, my schedule does revolve around my family and I make it work when I can. I My typical training session, an hour and a half to two hours. Um most days I'm able to get that done all at once. And I'm very blessed to have just an awesome home gym. Shout out to my husband for, um, <laughs> you know, some women have issues with shopping and clothes. I have issues with gym equipment and he's, 
So I'm grateful for that. Um, so it's, it's more convenient for me. I would encourage anybody that's lacking in time, you know, the home gym, I don't have to pack up. I don't have to worry about grabbing all my gear. I just walk 20 feet out my door and there I am. But um, I train six to seven days a week. I don't schedule rest days because my rest days tend to be scheduled for me. Um, if it's, you know, Friday night lights that, that take up my time or uh, another activity with the kids, um, homeschool projects that we have to work on, the rest days tend to happen naturally. So I don't particularly intentionally schedule a rest day, but they absolutely happen. So um, that's, that's probably the time um, devoted to training. Okay. So, so he doesn't have, your husband doesn't have to worry about, you know, a new pair of shoes. He just has to worry about a new set of weights. Well, you know, athletic shoes are, you know, I like. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you are also an OCR athlete. OCR is obstacle course race. Uh, yes. You are the first OCR person I've interviewed on the show. Awesome. Uh, so, can you kind of explain to the listeners what an OCR race is? Yeah, so OCR stands for Obstacle Course Racing. And if if the listeners have seen Spartan races, Savage races, um, it's basically a lot of running with obstacles in your path in the way. Um, you know, the obstacles are from doing these wild and crazy monkey bars that are probably, you know, 50 feet across and go up and down and up and down to, you know, swinging on a, um, a rig with suspended rings and having to go across it, um, jumping over, you know, nine, 10, I've even done some, some 14 foot walls, um, you know, just different, um, <clears throat> obviously the big fan going through like muddy water and <laughs> going up and down at different walls and things like that. So yeah, it's just, um, it's a lot of running with a lot of, um, most of them are, are upper body intensive um, obstacles to kind of make it through. It, it's like being a kid on a playground, but you just run an awful lot. Okay. So what, what uh, attracted you to OCR? Well, you know, that was actually one of the things that, pushed me to get fit, to be honest with you. Um, after I had done my rehab, I had a, like a pop-up ad or something come over for a Spartan race. And, you know, I'd seen them on TV. I kind of knew what they were about. Um, and I, I just, I've always been a weirdo, I guess. And it looked, it looked like a lot of fun and it looked like a way to push my boundaries. And I got online <clears throat> and there was not a Spartan race nearby at the time. There was a savage race um, close to Dallas. And when I registered, um, I read it wrong and I thought that it was going to be a three mile race. And when I got closer to it, I realized, oh, no, no, it's, it's going to be a five and a half plus mile race. And uh, now, mind you, as an adult at this time, I, I was just now starting to strength train and I had never run a mile in my entire life, in my entire life, not even as a kid. I was the kid that was on the track and you're doing the presidential fitness award and there's the kid, you know, having a heat stroke in the corner. That was me. So never had run a mile, but I figured, hey, if I can, you know, get through this hip stuff, I can end up walking it if I have to. Well, I get there and it ended up being, I believe, 8.2 miles that day. 
and I successfully ran it. I ran the entire time. And I, at that race, I only failed two out of 28 obstacles. So, um, I thoroughly enjoyed myself and, um, you know, was, I was proud just to get it, to be honest, to yeah. live with. And how many, um, OCRs have you competed in? Um, competed. I have, I competed. Um, so my first year I ran the one, two, three, I believe I ran four. And in all of those races, I think I ran, um, no five. I ran two savages and three Spartans and got the taste of what Spartan calls a trifecta, which is you compete the, um, complete the, um, what ends up being about four miles. Um, at that time it was 10 miles and then a 14 mile race. And so the next year, which would have been, I think 2019, um, I started to run competitively. Um, I'm, I don't train OCR like an OCR athlete traditionally would. I just strength train. And, you know, I mentioned I'm not a very fast runner. I can, I can do it. I'm just not really skilled at it. But I ended up my first year um, competing. I did achieve elite status, um, which allowed me to compete not just in age group, but also with the the elite group. I placed, I think. Um, I had three fourth places, two first places, and one fifth place in the that I competed in. Um, I haven't had, I did have the opportunity to compete again this year, one time. I don't know if I'll get the opportunity just with scheduling. Um, I got, I think I got six at that race, which was a little bit disappointing, but you know, I, as I mentioned, I'm not a, a skilled runner. And I can tell you that a lot of these people that have unfortunately been out of a gym during um, the whole um, COVID lockdowns, they have definitely been outside running because the paces at the race that I've been to are insane and extremely impressive. So that that's kind of my OCR history. Okay. So, and then from there, you want a little show that's called the Titan Games. Oh, I'm not, I'm going to admit, I love the Titan Games. It's the head-to-head competition. Um, but a lot of people may not know what the Titans Games are. Can you explain what the Titan Games are and, you know, why you decided to um, compete in it? Yeah, so um, obviously it's produced by DJ, by The Rock. And it's, like you said, it's, um, you know, they, they put athletes in brackets and and head-to-head comp- competitions on different obstacles. And, um, you know, if you win, you go on to the next round. Um, I, you know, discovered, I guess, and doing some, what I later found out to be strongman uh, work, um, I started chronicling that um, through my hip recovery and my knee recovery. I started posting the things that I could do. And um, as I did, I guess my you know, my social media kind of grew and a lot of people kind of took notice 
know, refer to as my kind of freakish strength. Um, I'm not a, I'm not a big person. I, I don't think that I look like I can lift and drag and pull the things that I pulled, but you know, I was outside, I was, um, you know, I've done pools where I pull a one ton pickup with a gooseneck trailer trailer loaded with two other vehicles, you know, 21,000 pound pull down the road. I was dragging a thousand pounds on prowler. You know, my, my deadlifts were over three at the time. They're, they're a little, they're over four now, you know, I, I was squatting over three. So I was putting up some big numbers and people took notice. And simultaneously I had a quite a few Instagram friends um, actually reach out and say, you've got to try out for this show. And some producers came across, across my some producers from the show and they took notice and they said, we want you to apply for the, the show. So um, there's, there's a long process. I think it was about nine months of just kind of watch and wait and um, submitted some of the things that I could do and made kind of a little video montage, um, did a submission video, applied for it found out, um, like I said, about nine months later that I had been selected to go and compete in a combine. It was basically like an NFL combine where, you know, they they had picked um, quite a few athletes from across the country to, you know, compete for a spot. Oh, so flew out to LA and um, did the combine. I was the oldest woman there by about a decade. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, and... Uh, made the show so wow. the, went to Atlanta um and I I was the so there's another gentleman actually the guy that, that won the Titan Games um he is actually the same age as me and we were the two old people on the show but surrounded definitely by a lot of youth and a lot of experience um we had Olympic athletes we had CrossFit Games athletes we had um, nationally ranked strongmen um, some cr just insanely talented people, um, which, you know, they were fantastic to learn from and be around. Um, it, it was a cool experience. It was, it was interesting. Um, you know, it's, it's referred to in our non-disclosures as a reality TV game show. <laughs> so I'll leave it there. I learned a lot about TV. I learned a lot about, um, you know, there, there's a lot of, it, it's, um, the TV part was stressful. Um, I did not do very well, obviously. Um, there's a lot more to, I guess, the goings on at Titan Games as far as the competitions. Um, you know, what they show on TV, it's real work. You know, um, not always exactly how everything played out, but it was um, in, in real life, I but it was, it was a cool experience and it was really, um, it, it was a blessing to just go and learn and see all of that. Meeting the athletes um, that I competed with was probably hands down the best experience because, you know, seeing what they can do and the ways that they push their body and have achieved success was definitely inspirational to me. Okay. But yeah, it seems like it was a lot, you know, just to kind of get on and and compete. So I I, I can imagine that the, the the amount of pressure you had to deal with was just high. Oh yeah, um, and 
you know, I, a lot of the competitors had, had experience obviously with physical competitions, um, were lifelong athletes been doing, doing this their whole life. So obviously I was lacking in that area. Um, and yeah, I mean the, the, the pressure, the mental was really hard as a mom. That was actually the first time I'd ever been away from my family. Um, you know, I had like one kid go off to summer camp or, you know, this one spends the night with a friend, but I've never been away from my family. So that was probably the most difficult part for me is um, not having my kids nearby and uh, dealing, you know, dealing with the stress of that. Um, the, um, yeah, as far as the, the competition itself, it's, it's, it's a, it's a wild ride for sure. You know, there's so much, um, we were working 14 to 16 hour days, just getting prepared for different kinds of shots, which sounds crazy. You know, I have a lot of respect now for uh, models and, <laughs> and movie stars that have to do like these promos and B rolls and hero shots is what they called it for us. And um, it was work. Yeah. So it was, um, I, I, I definitely don't regret it. There's things that I would change, but in general, it was a, it was a cool experience for sure. And um, you know, uh, as you said, having to compete just to be on the show, you know, I definitely feel like, Hey, you know, I showed up, I'm, I'm broken and I'm old and, uh, you know, there's a lot of people that didn't make it. So it was a blessing for sure. Yes. It definitely was a blessing, you know, given that, you know, you, you said you weren't an athlete and to make it to that level, uh, and compete on national TV against people who, like you were saying, were athletes, you know, lifelong athletes, you know, that's something. So, yeah, that's that's nothing to sneeze at or take for granted. Yeah, I appreciate that. And I, yeah, I certainly don't take it for granted. And I and I hope that um, I don't think ev everybody has to become, you know, an extreme athlete or or, you know, push things as far as I do. But I hope that. Um, you know, for anybody listening, I hope that that's just an inspiration for determination and will and um, focus can accomplish. I really just want people to know that whatever your physical limitations are, you can conquer them, you know, whether it be birth defects, you know, broken bones, um, being told that you can't. I I just want people to know that you always can if you put your mind to it. Yes, exactly. Usually I have a question saying, you know, um, what is your message to people who say it's too late to start? But this entire conversation has been that the answer to that, you know, question. You know, your your whole life and everything that you've gone through, you know, is the message to people who say it's too late to start or I can't. Yeah, it is. It absolutely is. Um, and that's, that's really my whole purpose and what I share on, on social media. Um, I don't, um, I, I was a sponsored athlete for a time with a company. We had a little bit different values. Um, you know, I was a, I was a, barbell kettlebell dumbbell girl and they were they were looking for more resistance bands and things like that which just were not my my wheelhouse or my preference but uh, beyond that you know I don't I, I don't have uh, it's not a money maker for me 
you know, I'm, I'm not selling a program. I, um, I'm, I'm not trying to sell a product. I'm, I'm really out there just to show what is possible. And, um, you know, women or men over 40, under 40, you know, whatever your issues are, you can absolutely, like you said, that, that is my, the entirety of my message is that you can. Yes. Yes. And if you, you are a good representative of that, you are the ambassador for inspiration and motivation in my book. Well, that's too kind of no, thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, I do hope, I do hope my story encourages somebody just to jump out there and try it. And, uh, you know, you can try it on your own. Yes. Absolutely. All right. So what is a non-athletic fact about you that most people don't that most people don't know. Um, well, um, you know, we've mentioned it a few times. I'm, I'm a mom of four. Um, I am also a, a homeschool mom. Uh, I'm, I'm a total science geek. If you can't tell, um, something else, let's see that people don't know about me. Well, I think honestly, at this point in life, I'm on the verge of becoming a, a creepy cat lady. So there's <laughs> <laughs> that's probably also will double as a what's your most embarrassing fact, and it's that I have too many cats. So, <laughs> what what's too many cats? Uh, too many cats. At the, uh, well, here's the sad thing. So we had a stray wander up, and mm-hmm. she brought us um, five kittens. Okay. Five adult cats, and we now have five kittens. So I'd I'd say that qualifies as definitely too many. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you can't argue with that either. Because no, I can't. nope, we can't. <laughs> All right. As we get ready to close, um, what's next for you? You know, is there anything specific you're training, preparing for? Um, Anything you have going on for our, the rest of 2021 or something that you're looking forward to in 2022? Yeah, so um, there's nothing specific right now. Uh, I've mentioned I do have my eye on a try, um, a half Ironman try. We'll see about that. Um, I am working on my running. I'm working on my run form. I would love to improve that. Um, I think that's the final, you know, kind of, cog in my fitness wheel, um, is I, I want to be better at that for sure. Um, no, I think that's the thing that motivates me about fitness. So I, I'm kind of neurotic, I guess. And I go from, I just go with what makes me happy. Um, I do strongman stuff. I do powerlifting. I do CrossFit. I do OCR. I do cycling. I, I run, um, do a lot of rucking and hiking. And that's the thing that motivates me. It's just what I'm amazed at the human body. I'm amazed at, and, and so immensely grateful at what I can do now. Um, that I just, I just like seeing what comes next. Um, and so I, I kind of leave that wide, wide open. Um, and there's always a possibility, I think of competing in strongman and powerlifting someday. I would love for my kids to be able to say that they've got a powerlifting grandma. So, um, (laughs) you know, I'd, I'd, I'd love to try that out, but you know, for me, long-term I, again, I just, 
I want to have options. I don't want to go home um, when I'm 60, 70, 80 years old and sitting, sit in a rocking chair. You know, I want to be able to rock climb with my grandkids. I want to be able to, you know, go on a long cycle in the mountains. Um, so um, my goals in general are getting super duper strong, um, staying healthy just longevity you you're already on the right course you know I, I i follow you and i see you you know i see everything that you do uh on a regular basis so you're already in the right path to go in there i hope so that is definitely my, my goal everything else is fun um i love competing but um keeping this body healthy and able until my twilight years is definitely what it's all about. Yes, definitely, definitely. Jess, thank you for being on the show. This was a great conversation. Thank you, Eric. Thank you for having me. I appreciate um, I appreciate the opportunity to share and, and hopefully uh, just inspire others to get off the couch and get moving. Yes, and if anybody wants to get in contact with you or follow you online, how can they do so? Um, yeah, so on Instagram, it's, I think it's Jess underscore Weatherby underscore lifts. And on Facebook, it's just, I, I'm just Jess Weatherby on Facebook. So okay. definitely shoot me, shoot me a DM and let me know that you, um, I'd love to know if you, you know, heard from this podcast, let me know and I'll make sure and follow you back. Jess, again, thank you for being on the show. Yes, sir. Thank you, Eric. I appreciate it. You have a fantastic day. All right. You do the same now. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the No Gimmicks, Just Sweat podcast. We really appreciate everyone who tunes in each week. If you enjoyed today's show, please support us by subscribing, rating, and reviewing the show wherever you listen to podcasts. And remember to tell your friends about the No Gimmicks, Just Sweat podcast so we can continue to have awesome conversations with everyday athletes just like you. Until next time, have an amazing week.